Hello, friends. Today's sponsor is Rooted for Good. They are so excited to be back and sponsoring another episode for the Abiding Together community. They're grateful for the thousands of you that have already made the switch to Rooted's all-natural skincare, bath soaks, sugar scrubs, and essential oils. They love getting your feedback and have been humbled and edified by your five-star reviews. There are so many skincare and beauty companies today promoting values which contradict the treasures of our faith. Founded by a Catholic mom of six boys, Rooted stands for goodness, truth, and real beauty. You don't have to sacrifice your values to experience premium skincare and essential oils that smell and feel amazing. I've tried a number of their products and all of the ones that I've tried have just been amazing quality. I particularly love their foaming face wash and it really does smell amazing. Oh yeah. And a couple more things. This is so cool. Rooted donates 10 cents from every dollar sold to uplift the poor and Rooted products are an affordable alternative to other premium brands. This year, Rooted is excited to share their steepest abiding discount yet. Use the code abide. 20 at checkout and get 20% off your whole order. Treat yourself to amazing skincare products and even carve out a little TLC time with their rejuvenating spa products. This Christmas season, shop with the Abiding Together community at rootedforgood.com and don't forget to use the code ABIDE20. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi friends, welcome to the Abiding Together podcast season 13 and we are delighted to be with you on this adventure and I know that the Lord is going to do wonderful things and all of our hearts. The Abiding Together podcast is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And wherever you find yourself in the world, wherever you find yourself in your life, you are most welcome here. And we know that the Lord will speak to you. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I am joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life. We speak about our sorrowful mysteries, our joyful mysteries, and how the Lord is leading us in it all. And you are most welcome right here, right here. So please grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hey friends, just one quick announcement. We did have some audio issues in this episode and the next episode because right before we started recording, Sister Miriam's mic broke and she had to use her headphone mic. So the audio quality will be affected because of that, but be assured we've ordered a new mic and things will be back to normal in the new year. God bless. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast and part three of the Read of God. And I'm not sure if this is doing what it's doing for me, but it's blowing my mind. <laughs> it's like ripping my heart apart. I'm like, oh gosh. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Heather, what were you saying you were throwing your book down last night? Yeah, last night. I really was like the most annoying, loudest reader ever because I I was so convicted by so many things she said. And I was like, she is going off. And I would just like throw down my book. And I was like, ah, she's killing me here. And Jake was like trying to watch a show. He, he would just look at me and like put it. He was like, honestly, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Mm. How's it sitting with you, Michelle? Yeah. It's just beautiful. Like I was like, okay, once again, we were all laughing. Like, I mean, we pray that it's fruitful for you all, our listeners, but really it's just about us because I'm like, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I needed to hear this. And oh my goodness, like I needed the whole part about, I mean, we'll get into it, but this whole section was just, yeah, really impactful for me. And just right where I am with the Holy Spirit right now. I'm like, okay, you can stop putting your finger on this. I hear you loud and clear, people. So yeah, <laughs> it was good. But I mean, her writing is so beautiful and so inviting and but yet so challenging, really convicting in the most tender and beautiful, harsh ways <laughs> altogether. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Sister, what about you? I agree. It's very convicting and so 
just the way she writes is such common humanity. We can all relate. We can all relate to different things she writes, even though she's writing in a much earlier time. All of us, I think, in our own way can say, oh my gosh, yeah, I can relate to that. Or like, oh, that was piercing. Because, you know, human nature doesn't change. Yes, it doesn't. <laughs> so whatever era it is, the, the facets might look a little different. But man, the heart of person, the heart of man just does not does not change. So what we can do is our, so part three, which contains the last child idols in the last confession, our guiding quote, where she says, everyone experiences this sense of loss of the divine child. Everyone knows it in a different way and in different degrees. And from the Song of Songs, chapter six, verse one, where has your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? And Heather, do you want to start us off here in any, really any one of those sections? Like we said, there's so much content, we're just going to skip around. But what for you kind of stands out and she's, when she starts speaking about these things? Yeah, the lost child part, I, what I loved about it is that she was reframing it to be like, a, this is actually how it, it can bring about deeper communion with God, mm-hmm. you know, where often we just look at it one way. It's like, well, if I, if I don't have consolation, or I'm not hearing the voice of God, or I'm not getting what I ask for, then that means, you know, and then our interpretation that we put on all, all of those experiences usually creates more division between us and Christ and her reframe of that to say, you know, sometimes he goes away so that we can long for him yeah. so that we can experience, yeah, this longing for a deeper union with him. So I, I love that just initially. Mm-hmm. How about you, Michelle? Yeah. I mean, even at the very beginning, it says, you know, the striking thing about it, that it was, he was not really lost. Our lady did not lose Christ. He deliberately went away. I was thinking to myself, not nice, Jesus, not nice, you know, like to any mother that's trying to keep track of a kid, you know, like that's not nice. But St. John of the Cross talks about that also, how Jesus, the bridegroom, will hide himself so the bride will come in and lean closer to him. And I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about it as a parent, like Joseph and Mary, like if they can lose Jesus, then I shouldn't beat myself up when I lose him too, when I can't find him. Mm-hmm. And then she goes on in the longer in the chapter, like it is our, you know, is our invitation to seek him. So when he's lost, it's to lean in and seek him and come closer. Like he's not doing it to play a game. He's doing it for communion. It's an invitation to communion. And sometimes I think when I can't find him or I can't hear him, I almost feel like he's holding, like I'm Eve back in the garden. I'm like, dude, you're holding out on me. Like, where are you? Mm -hmm. But really what he's asking us is where are you? You know, like back in the garden, where are you? Like that was the reading for Immaculate Conception, you know, where are you? And he's like, I'm hiding. So really when he steps back, it's because I realized, oh my gosh, do you step back because I'm hiding from you and you want me to come closer to you? I think it's a game of hide to seek on your part, but I'm the one that's actually hiding and you're inviting me to seek. This whole section just kind of blew my mind. I had probably maybe a dozen epiphanies going through it. So, yeah. I had this uh, experience when my kids were little where I was in the grocery store. I was, you know, distracted looking at all the things and then Judah was gone. And I was like, oh my gosh. And in that moment, I turned into crazy person and I just start yelling like in the middle of the grocery store. And what he had done was he just was wanted to run around. So he just was like running around in a big circle, like down the other aisle and coming back to me. But I didn't know that. So I freaked out. But what happened was like everything got clarified. Everything was heightened. The only thing that I could think of was I need to find Judah. Like that, that was it. And, and I think there's a, there's a part of that in our relationship with God that it, 
there, there's an invitation for him to become the focus when we, when we need to seek him again, because we can get so distracted. We, we, we can become so familiar with how we do our, you know, spiritual life and relationship with God. And it became, can become very mundane. And I think there's something beautiful in that. Oh my goodness. When you lose someone, you become very focused. Everything becomes very mm-hmm. clarified. Mm-hmm. How, how about you, sister? What were some of your first thoughts there? Well, these are such the mysteries that all the great, I think all the great spiritual masters talk about. And Mm -hmm. you see it in the Song of Songs, you see it in the disciples, you see it throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and the, the seeking, the one whom our heart loves. And I, as I was reading about this, I'm like, this is the, the, Carol Hausliner's writing about the real stuff of Christianity. This is Christian life. And she'll go, she'll tie it together into the next section on idols because as she said, we make God an idol, which is so true. But as I was reading it, I was thinking of, I'm so grateful that we cannot control God. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that he's not something that we can manage or control, that we're not above God and that he's not seeking to control us either. But in his divine playfulness, that he continues to invite us into the depths of the forest and over the mountaintops and through the wilderness. And it's like the yeah the divine playfulness of God that is, it's, it is piercing at times. And it, it continues to purify us of, I, I mean, just can purify us of the idols that we don't even know we have. And we've all had situations in our life that are revealed things to us we didn't know were in were within our own hearts. And I was just sharing with you guys that before we started recording. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, thank you. I did not. It was very painful, but thank you for showing that to me because I didn't realize it was at that level or realize that there were some real places that I needed to receive you versus being self-reliant. And she she says that on my, let's see, my page is 90, I think 97 on my page. She talks about the like the quote unquote losing, right? And she says, converts and others who have received some great revivifying grace find the springtime of their soul suddenly chill. The uprush and thrust of spring fails and they are left empty. It does indeed seem to them that the child was born into their lives, filled the little house of their souls with his laughter. And now without warning, he is gone. And there is no emptiness like the emptiness of a house from which a child has gone. I love that line. And that's such, on those are, it's like a double, Mm -hmm. like those are such deep things. But yeah, I think the temptation so often, they're like, you're saying, both of you are saying in beautiful ways of just to give up at that point or to blame God or to really even blame ourselves and to look at our own hearts. Like, yes, have I been negligent or have I been irreverent or have I been turning to sin instead of the idols where it blocks me from seeing the Lord but also understanding of the, the spiritual journey is that it's the continued growth and purification so we can grow into full maturity. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like sister, what you were talking about, she says in the part of the idols, I think it um, pages 98 on my Kindle, but it's going to be a different one. It's in the idol section and it says we cannot change Christ, but instead we invent imaginary Christ and they can be made to be anything at all that we would like him to be. Mm-hmm. Our judgments are always or nearly always formed by our own needs and fears and limitations, not by an objective contemplation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then she says, we too, make, goes on to say, we too make idols. We make ego projections of Christ, which are limited to our own narrowness and which justly, whatever kind of life we choose to live. <laughs> Perhaps choose is the wrong word. For many of these life patterns are forced upon us by fear and misunderstanding. Oh my gosh. And I was like, wow. And it's like what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, like our responses, how we respond, how Mm -hmm. we respond in those little places that we want Christ, like we make Christ in our, our own image instead of him forming us in his own image because of our judgments or our poverty or our unmet needs or whatever it is. 
And the invitation is like, oh no, honey, let me transform you into me and not vice versa. And that's where the abundant life is. Yeah. So Heather, what are your thoughts? It's it's very sobering to think that many of us are living with a false image yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. Like in some way, you know, I mean, for we sure are, it's yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. all are. Mm-hmm. Like, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like you said, you know, the things that we choose, the things we imagine, or sometimes it's because of how someone has modeled, you know, yeah. like God's love mm-hmm. to us in it and has marred his face. Like there's, there's all of these things, but to think, oh, the God I know might not be the real God. Mm-hmm. And then actually like that's sobering but then it's also this beautiful invitation to go who is he really mm-hmm. like am i willing to let go of my false images of who god is and then the improper ways that i'm following this false god who doesn't require some of these things that i'm doing from me you know like he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't ask that i hustle that i grasp after that i try to prove myself that you know all of these things that we might think this false image of a god who's cruel and you know a dictator might require of us and and I think, yeah, it's like we can never come to the end of knowing who he is because he, he reveals himself in so many different ways. You know, he's lover, he's judge, he's friend, he's king, he's savior, he's warrior. He's all, it's like, can, will I pursue the knowing of who he really is? And that is such a glorious adventure, is it not? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, you know, uh, when she's talking about the idols, she says, <laughs> this is so convicting. She said, of course we may fail if we were merely trying to imitate him. But this is not what's asked of us, and that's not the meaning of Christianity. What we're asked to do is be made one with Christ, to allow him to abide in us, to make his home in us, and gradually through the oneness that results from living one life and through the miracles of his love, consummated again and again in communion with him to become Christ's, to live Mm -hmm. in him as Our Lady did. And, And that can't happen if it's made up of false images or if we mm-hmm. are not truly who mm-hmm. we are, we are a false mm-hmm. version of ourselves as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yes. Good stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. And I was very convicted, right? Like that paragraph right before what you read, Heather, where, where she says, page 109, she says, Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. And we see how true this is. And this was so just piercing. She says, how could we imitate an example of uncompromising unworldliness, chastity, sacrifice, and love, offered 2,000 years ago by somebody we have never seen when we are unable to keep our promises to people we know well until yesterday (laughs) and and instinctively belittle the qualities of our more heroic friends because we dislike and resent the fact that their example challenges our rationalization of the line of least resistance. And I was like, oh oh my gosh. Kill me. Kill me. I was like, oh yeah, guilty. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, you're like, oh girl, why'd you gotta, why'd you gotta read that part of my heart? Why do you... Did it not feel like that? I felt like that. Like she was like reading my soul. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, ouch, it hurts. And like going back to what we were talking about earlier, like that God is so consistent and that he never changes. But yet we are constantly Mm -hmm. inconsistent. And we, because we take ourselves in and out of abiding and being rooted, like, oh no, I really want to be rooted in you. Oh, no, let me pull my root system back up and plan it somewhere else for a different. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Lord, like, what's the bridge? Just really thinking about it. And earlier in that chapter on mine, it's like page 94. This was the quote where I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, above all, how is it that those in whom the Holy Spirit, the spirit of fire and light, truth, beauty, wisdom, and love abides can so often be narrow, bigoted, timid, mediocre, dull, and tepid, impotent in spirit, prudish, detached, suspicious, Mm -hmm. and careful at the very marriage of heaven and earth. 
in its Christ own words, I mean, this was like so piercing. How is it that thou comest hither without a wedding garment? And I was like, shoot. Mm. Wow. Yes. And it was interesting because I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before or not, but we, when we had the parable of the wedding feast and the, the guests that were not dressed and he throws them out, the priest, we had a visiting priest there preaching and he's beautiful. He's an English and a biblical scholar. And I think I might say it's like everything sounds really great in English, Irish, Scottish, Australian accent for some reason. Keep on talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like all those accents are like the most lovely thing. I think that's the tone of God. But anyway, (laughs) he was saying, he was saying like that the guest has to provide a wedding garment if someone does not have it and that Jesus wasn't being rude. He was saying the people rejected the the wedding. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. The host, the, the host has to provide the wedding garment and the guest reject it. Like you will be offered a wedding garment. And so he said, that is what he's like, Jesus wasn't being like, like, oh my gosh, they can't afford nice clothes. They can't be here. He was saying that they actually rejected the wedding garment that the host provided for them, like our baptismal call. And like that totally transformed that whole parable for me. But then this is what Carol Hauslander is saying. Like we reject our baptismal call. We reject the wedding garment. We reject Mm -hmm. the bridal garment. We think that we're not doing it intentionally, but yet the reason we are doing it is because we're not allowing the Lord to love us and abide in us and allow the Holy Spirit free reign and our baptismal call to reign free mm-hmm. as priest, prophet, and king. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this whole chapter can make you lovingly go to confession for healing. And so let's put it that way. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. This was a good one too, which I, it's just part of the idol section. There was so much in the idol section. Mm-hmm. It's page 113 for me, but she says, one very popular idol today is the convenient God. Oh, yeah. The God who, in contrast to the others, is vague, indefinite, ready to wink at the habitual breaking of his laws and allow his followers to whittle away the purity and splendor and discipline of straight thinking in order to humor their own whims. Indeed, he's almost ready to accept their patronage for they consider they're doing him a favor when they pray. And it's he that should be grateful when they go to church. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, like where we just keep reducing God and diminishing who he is to justify our way of living and the things that that we think are going to ultimately make us happy, which which don't. I was like, this is so good. On so, I mean, she just hit it from like every single angle. There was probably, I don't know, like 10 10 different examples that she was giving. So I'm definitely going to head back to this chapter again. Mm-hmm. Which is something we can continue to glean from the entire Christmas season, or really any time of year you want. But the beautiful thing is next next week, as we finish this, it'll be Christmas Day. And we Christmas is just beginning for Catholics. So it's not that's not one and done. It's just the beginning of a brand new season, the Christmas season. And that might be something that we want to want to take with us. And she does hit all of the aspects of that because she also talks about like the harsh... And she said she finds that that's less and less over time. But I, I think that's always present in the heart. And, and how many times do we, in, in the places of pain, we see God as that as like a taskmaster mm-hmm. or that he's avaricious or cruel or sadistic or God just doesn't care about us. And, and we hold on to that. And we just say, no, 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 God doesn't care for me here. And, and, and throughout scripture, we see that God's telling us who he says he is. But like in these places where that seems more, it seems safer. Just, we don't have the security yet to let go of that. We like, no, 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 God doesn't love me. God, God's awful. I'm going to have to, and it's just interesting of how we get, we just get stuck in places. And then these cycles of how we live out of that, because we live out of our image of God. And so how we relate to the world is how we relate to whatever image of God is, which he'll say at the, the end of that chapter. It's, it's very telling. It just, so to kind of in our own our hearts, like wondering, yeah, we all have those pieces. Every person has those pieces. But I'm wondering, especially for this advent of where, yeah, maybe the Lord's inviting us to surrender 
some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the tragedy is that as God sometimes hides himself, that we would stop seeking him mm-hmm. and just go, oh, well, I guess he's gone. I guess he doesn't care. You know, like the enemy is a, is real. You know, he's mm-hmm. always going to be planting these ideas and misconceptions about God in our mind because he wants division at every turn. God wants union at every turn. And so mm-hmm. where God is like inviting us to go deeper or inviting us on a journey with him to find him. Yeah, it's a tragedy if we were to stop looking, even yeah. just out of distraction, yes. that we don't mm-hmm. even realize we're making that decision, but we just allow ourselves to become distracted or we allow ourselves to become complacent in the things we do and we've lost sight of where he is. I love this part at the very end where she says, it's on the last well, the last page before the, the last confession. She says, our Lord said to his apostles, it's expedient for you that I go away. It is the same for us. We know him only by continually learning him anew. We get away from false gods only by continually seeking him. We hold him only by losing him. He goes away from us because it's expedient for us. He goes away that we might seek him. The sense of loss, the awareness of insufficiency makes us long for him as he is. It makes us willing to go out from ourselves and find him where he is. He wants us to seek because he wants to give himself to us. Friends, can we just stop right Mm -hmm. there? Like that is a truth that I think we need to hear. He wants us to seek because he wants to give himself to us. He's not playing a game of hide and seek where he's trying to make things frustrating and difficult for us. He wants to give himself to us. Then she goes, okay, that's my words. Okay. So then she goes on to say, it's an experience like the experience of emptiness. The emptiness must be there that he may fill it and we must be aware of it in order that we may want him to fill it. Why hast thou done so to us? And the answer is simple. After all, seeking ye shall find his meaning is love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's love at the end of the day. His intention is never not love. Mm-hmm. Amen, bro. And I think for us this Advent season, he's inviting us in a deeper way to trust his love. Like trust it. Like that it is good and it is for us and he is good and he is for us and he is not withholding any good thing from us. And not that he is a Santa Claus, but that he is a giver of himself and that that's what he wants us to love. I've been sitting in Luke, the first two chapters for this Advent and like really, you know, diving deep into scripture. And I was like a little confused because an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. And he, you know, tells him like your wife, Elizabeth is going to bear a child. And he's like, how can this be? And then like the next chapter, the angel appears to Mary and she's like, you're going to conceive. And she's like, how can this be? And it was like, the angel got mad at Zachariah and said, you're going to be quiet because you didn't believe. But it felt like, like, well, Mary kind of asked the same question. She didn't get quiet. (laughs) You know, like what happened? And like I was reading in the different Bible commentaries and like it was just saying like Zachariah asked the question because of lack of faith lack of trust. Mm. Like that was like the way that was described. It was lack of trust. He was very righteous man, but it was a lack of trust Mm. where Mary asked the question, like, how can this be in an act of, in an act of trust and awe and wonder, like almost like, Lord, Mm. what are you going to do? Like, how is this going to be? You know, like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, like that is the, that's our posture. It's a posture of childlike trust. Like we were talking about with Therese earlier in the season, like that is the posture of Christmas. Like, okay, Lord, I can't, I have no idea how you're going to do this. I cannot see in the logical, mm-hmm. rational mind, but I'm going to you know, trust you and awe and wonder that you're going to do something you know, in my heart, in my life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was like a practical thing is how she was talking about 
being present, even like to the people around us. I loved what she was talking about, how like we can ignore the people around us are their intellects because of their chewing or biting or what I'm like, preach it, sister, come to my dinner table. Like two of my kids cannot stop fidgeting at the dinner table. I'm like, can we, yeah, we need to go back to manners classes. I'm like, put your napkin down, like just in their they're old. I don't have littles anymore, people. I'm like, y'all need manners classes. But like the little things that of the people that you live with, that you forget to see their glory. Yes. You forget to see their beauty, you know, because you yeah. just see like, really, you didn't put your cup in the dishwasher or how, or in, or in my case, how many cups can one person drink in a day? Like seriously, and put them, leave them on the counter. But I was like, I forget to see, like pay attention to their glory, their God-given glory, their God, you know. And the Imago day in them, mm-hmm. you know, their image and likeness of God, mm-hmm. you know, and to pay attention to that. And there's wonder and awe in that also. Oh, yes. And I, I think for my last piece here, I, as, as she kind of pulls our souls apart yes. <laughs> and convicts us <laughs> and talks about how we set up altars of our own, she says our own egoism, you know, that's where we worship. She says this on, on my book, it's page 116. She says, in the degree of the truth of our conception of him, our minds grow broader deeper and warmer. Our hearts grow wiser and kinder. Our humor deeper and more tender. We become more aware of the wonder of life. Our senses become more sensitive. Our sympathies stronger. Our capacity for giving and receiving greater. And our minds are more radiant with a burning light. And the light is the light of Christ. And I think we that's what we all desire and that's what we want. And that's that's the truth of which we're seeking. And would we, like you were saying, Heather, would we would we never stop seeking? And that isn't the North Face, like that company, their tagline is never stop exploring. And mm-hmm. would we never stop seeking the one who loves us, who yeah, who's continually present and who draws us on this mm-hmm. wild adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I love the opportunity for a book study like this. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's been, it's been pushing me to make time to meditate on things that, you know, I don't know what to come up with in my own mind sometimes. I mean, it's like sometimes the Lord like places something on your heart, but just to have someone who obviously like Carol Hauslander, who obviously has had such a rich spiritual life, be able to bring her meditations to inspire a place for me to go. Like I'm I'm really grateful for this time Mm -hmm. and and hopefully our listeners are too. Yeah. Anything else, Michelle, you want to? No, that was beautiful. All right. So friends, shall we talk about our one things for this third week of Advent? Heather, what you got for us? Well, we had our first snowfall uh, <gasps> two days ago. Really? Yeah. And what that provoked in me was sort of funny because I was I'm at home. I'm not traveling right now. And suddenly I was like, I mean, I'm working on a huge project right now. I really did not have time for this, but I was like, hmm, I need to bake. So I need to take a break and just let my mind. So I'm going to bake something, you know, so then I started baking and then I cracked out the eggnog and made a latte and I was like, oh, it's good every time. So that's my one thing. You are so funny with your eggnog. eggnog latte just came back to me because I never have it any other time. And I really only have maybe like two or three in the whole season, but friends, so good little dust of cinnamon on top. Mm, Come Mm -hmm. on, come on. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. But I would also say like my parents living next door is my other one thing. As I've described, their house is attached to our house. But there's just been a lot more dinners together in this season. I think maybe because it's it's like raining outside all the time or snowing or whatever. So we've just had a lot more like soup and bread nights and just sitting around the table, taking our time with each other. And that's been a real gift. How about you, Michelle? 
I have two one things. Uh, the first one thing is we have a Catholic youth sports league and we won the championship. My son is an eighth grader and it was a big deal. Awesome. And so it was so much fun. You know how much I love football and we've come in second a lot. <laughs> and so it's been a while since our schools won it. So it was just so fun. But I love how community building it is. Just the beauty of that. I love that you posted the video of his touchdown yeah, he had because a great touchdown. being so far away, it's so fun to just like see these little moments. of yeah, yeah, yeah. he had a good 76 yard run. It was awesome. I mean, y'all, I was pacing mm-hmm. in the back of the stadium. I mean, I take it probably a little bit too serious. Talk about idols. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so but after that touchdown run, I'm like, I can exhale. I can exhale. Like, I think we got this. I think we have this. I just wanted it so badly for him. So. Good. Mm-hmm. But and my other one thing is actually from a when she has sponsored our podcast and it's Leanne Bowen, but she wrote, I don't stay on social media very much if I'm on and I'm off really quickly. So I don't usually re- I don't actually usually read posts unless the recipes, but she wrote a beautiful thing and I'm going to read it really quickly about her private retreat. I just loved this reflection. Mm. It said, this weekend, I had the delight of getting to pray at the Norbertine Sisters on a little self-led prayer retreat. What you can't see in this picture is the 40-ish sisters that live in a cloister on the other side of the stone wall. Their voices are angelic and their prayers fervent. Attending their prayers throughout the day kept me busy. I was in awe of how frequent all their prayers were. But halfway through the weekend, I saw only one prayer listed that wasn't on my initial schedule, 12 a.m. 12 a.m., is that right? There was a sister who was allowed out of the silence of the cloister to be my point person. She left me a picnic basket of food for each meal and showed me rich prayers to read during lauds, vespers, and everything in between. I caught her eye during a meal with a question, Sister, do you all pray every evening in the middle of the night? The sister replied, yes, that prayer is long for an hour. That is when we intercede for moms. It is our motherhood hour. This makes me just tear up. Is it our motherhood hour when we get up with you? She left and tears poured down my cheeks. All those nights when I felt so alone, so tired and withered, the sisters have been there awake with me. So many nights I was too exhausted to pray, too tired just trying to feed newborns and ravenous toddlers. You know those stream of nights back to back when you're begging God for just one straight rim cycle of sleep. Exhaustion gnaws at your bones with such fervor and hormones and emotions are flying like grease in a hot pan. There with me, and I never knew it, hidden away in the quiet, corrode way, interceding. It has changed something in me. Motherhood has been particularly tiresome for me lately. I've had to continuously beg Jesus, Jesus, help me be holy on the most basic, mundane tasks. Laundries and dishes seem so painful and dreadful and awful. Frustration and patience snaps out of me like lightning zapping whoever pokes me first. She said, but I realize I am not alone. You are not alone. There are sisters awake in the night praying for you in your tiredness. They are awake with you in it all. They're praying for you, even in their own exhaustion, because they know you need an intercessor. Is that not beautiful? It is. It is just beautiful. And it just really, I have been praying for a long time with the image of called maternity. And it's a mom and a religious sister together in a hallway. I think I've talked about it before. I'll post the the link to the painting again, but like how our spiritual and biological and natural motherhood are so divinely linked, like they are very much yes. intertwined together. So I know that was a long mm-hmm. read, but it was just such a beautiful wow. post, you know. Oh, that is beautiful. Can you post the link to that? Instagram I will. Post I'll put it in our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. That it's just the truth of why we need each other. 
Like all mm-hmm. women are called to be mothers and that particular gift that we have is embraced of spiritual motherhood is not just a nice thing we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better for not having natural kids, natural kids. It's mm-hmm. the reality of all women. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm like, yeah, of course, like that's a very deep monastic tradition of, of prayer in the middle of the night. I love that it happens all over the world. Me too. Yeah. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God for the cloisters. Amen. Definitely. Well, I kind of have one and a half things. Is that okay? Is, yeah. Can we do that? Um, there are no rules. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so we're recording this just a little bit of a head. So I, my half thing is I've been watching, speaking of women, I've been watching the Women's College Volleyball Division One National Championship Tournament, which has been so good. And you talk about some women that are like forces to be reckoned Dude, with. Dude, Wisconsin is killing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're in Nebraska. They're all like, so yeah, Nebraska was hit all those teams. And you're talking about women who are six foot two, six, four, six, six, Wisconsin's one of their outsides is six, nine. And um, just, it's just, I'm like, I love, it's just, I love it. I'm like, and it's just beautiful to see these, like I was watching the Nebraska game and it's a sold out crowd and you know, it, for Nebraskans love their, they love their volleyball. And right behind the camera where the, where the, the college athletes are serving are these two little girls mm-hmm. and mom's with them. And it just was cute to watch mom <laughs> talk to them. And the little girls are just kind of what, I mean, just like, wow, front row seats at one of the national semifinals is like the best thing ever. So you go ladies, there'll be national champion by the time this is aired, but it's just fun. I, yeah, you go girls, you go. And awesome. really, but really my one thing, Heather is your advent playlist. I just want to come back to mm-hmm. that. It is so good. I mean, I've been having it on repeat on my own Spotify account and the people that I live with have had, I've heard it from other rooms coming out as well. And I've been sending it to so many people that I know. I sent it to like this whole text thread that we had with a whole bunch of people just telling them about your place. So I just want to say, if you haven't listened to Heather's Advent worship, you should do it. And if you've listened to it, listen to it again. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) And it's just really uplifting. So I just want to say thanks, friend. It was great. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad. I've I've had it on repeat too. So Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it very much as well. Okay. This is really funny. We've had Sisters Peaceful Christmas Piano and repeat in our house. (laughs) I've had that one too. So yeah, it was between those two. I'll either got one. <laughs> We're all swapping yeah. our like, yeah. I know I had yours on too, sister, but I did get a call from our dear friend, Father Tim Hepburn. Shout out oh. to Father Tim Hepburn. Okay. He left me a voicemail just saying, I love this oh. playlist. And I was like, you oh. are a darling. He's like, also, I listened to your podcast. I was like, I love we you do so love much. Father Tim Hepburn. And <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, we hope this week of joy with your rose advent candle lit and this week of joy that Jesus is he's, he's coming soon. And may our hearts prepare him room for that. So until next week, we'll be biting together. We will have our last episode on Christmas Day and we will conclude part four of Read of Bible. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, 
and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive bonus content every month, such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.